Good morning, good morning, guys. Welcome to the Alpha Talk Tuesday podcast. I thank all of you for tuning in today. So today is going to be a lot of scripture, and I'm going to be sharing something um, more so about forgiveness and just how awesome Jesus is. So that will be the most of the discussion today. I will be reading a lot, a lot of scripture. Just letting you know in advance. I will be reading a lot of scripture, and I want to share with you the reason why at the end. And the title of this message will be Bleeding But Still Blessing. Bleeding But Still Blessing. So without further ado, I'll open this up in prayer. Father God, I just want to thank you for your awesome presence. I thank you for meeting us here today, Lord. Lord, I just pray that we will know you even deeper and that we will understand the fellowship of your suffering, Father. Lord, I pray that you teach us how to forgive, how to let things go, how to walk in forgiveness, power, and love in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for helping us to know what you did when you were nailed to the cross, how awesome and amazing we are to be a part of your blessing, Father, even though you were there and you were killed for something that technically you didn't do. There was no evil done. You chose to die an innocent man for our sakes so that we could be proclaimed innocent, Father. Father, I just come against any spirit of depression, heaviness, confusion, anger, anxiety, worry. We just come against that and we nail all these things to the cross, Father. And we command forth joy, love, peace, clarity, revelation, wisdom, insight, prudence. We call forth all the things that you have allowed us access to by way of your spirit. Father, I pray that everyone that hears these words is able to walk in healing, in love, in power, in a sound mind. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, I want to thank all of you for tuning in today to this message. Like I said, today I will be sharing a lot of scripture. I will be reading from John chapter 18 and John chapter 19. But before I go into this, I'm going to share with you the premise of this message today. So I titled it, Bleeding But Still Blessing. So I have a question for you. Have you been in a situation where you were under attack or you were proclaimed guilty or something happened to you and you were being mistreated, yet you chose to still stand for God and even though no one else was there to witness it, you are still there standing for God. That's the question I want you to think about in your mind right now. How did you feel? Did you feel like you were alone? Did you feel like you were not being treated um, with honor from heaven? Did you feel like alone? Like, I'm going to ask you that again. Did you feel alone? And I want to encourage you, those of you who have experienced certain things and you felt like it was no one else there, I want you to know right now that you were not and have never been alone. Now, I want you to think about how Jesus felt when he was on the road to Calvary and he was carrying the cross and he had people mocking him, throwing rocks, calling him names, ridiculing his assignment, all these things. Yet he was an innocent man. He never did any evil. Yet all these people had accusations against him. And not only that, to go back, and before I even get into the scriptures, to go back 
the people preferred a prisoner, someone who actually was a robber and a thief, a modern-day Robin Hood. They preferred him over Jesus. And just before I go into this, I'm going to show you the reason why they preferred him over Jesus. When they requested Barabbas to be released rather than Jesus, the reason why is because they wanted a they were looking for someone to physically rescue them from their condition. They were looking for someone to physically rescue rescue them from their condition, not knowing that their true issue was a spiritual issue. What Barabbas represented to the people of Israel at that time was someone who robbed from the poor and gave to the I'm sorry, robbed from the rich and gave to the poor. So there was more of a tangible visit um, a more visible presence of what he was doing for them which was more of a carnal rescue not a spiritual rescue oftentimes children of God there will be times like I just mentioned I asked you that question where you may feel like someone is looking for you to do something and you're waiting for God to do something sometimes you will end up looking as if you're soft, as if you are a pushover, as if you are weak. There are times that you will look that way, but you are not that way. When you are choosing to stand for God and to take beatings, to take mistreatment, and understand that this is not for you, this is not towards you, that this is for Him, and you understand that the assignment is to forgive and to let go, you will start to embrace and fellowship more with Jesus because like I said some people are looking more for a carnal rescue they don't know what it means to be spiritually rescued a lot of people are still in bondage they're looking for someone to physically come rescue them and they're not in a position to really be a blessing so with further ado I'm going to get into the scriptures I'm starting at John chapter 18 at verse 1 after seeing these things, Jesus crossed to Dron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas the betrayer knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given G Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? He asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing there, standing with them. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Once more he asked them, Who are you looking for? And again they replied, Jesus the Nazarene. I told you that I am he, Jesus said. And since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. I'm going to pause right there. So remember how I talked about sometimes people are looking for a carnal rescue. They're looking for something physical to be done. Now, Peter was not fully aware of the assignment that Jesus had. But what he was aware was that something was going to happen. And because Peter had a sword, he decided to fight with what he was familiar with, which was a physical sword. But he wasn't aware 
that Jesus' assignment was to allow this to happen. His assignment was to allow this to happen, to be captured by the enemy. Okay, continuing on. All right, hold on one second. Mm-mm-mm. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their commanding officer, and the temple guards arrested Jesus and tied him up. First, they took him to Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest at that time. Caiaphas was the one who had told the other Jewish leaders, it's better that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another of the disciples. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, you're not one of that man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I am not. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself. Inside, the high priest began asking Jesus about his followers and what he had been teaching them. Interesting. Jesus replied, Everyone knows what I teach. I have preached regularly in the synagogues and the temple, where the people gather. I have not spoken in secret. Why are you asking me this question? Ask those who heard me. They know what I said. Then one of the temple guards standing nearby slapped Jesus across the face. Is that the way to answer the high priest, he demanded? Jesus replied, if I said anything wrong, you must prove it. But if I am speaking the truth, why are you beating me? I'm going to pause right there for a second. Remember how I talked about sometimes when you are standing for God, it will cause you to be disrespected and mistreated by by your, your enemies. And as you can see here, he was smacked across the face for stating the truth. Sometimes, child of God, when you stand for truth, it will cause you to get smacked across the face and they cause you to get yelled at, disrespected, mistreated. When you're standing for what the word of God says and when you're standing for your assignment, understand that you are not standing alone. The reason why Jesus was able to endure this is because he knew that his assignment was in completion, that he was not alone. Continuing on, then Anas bound Jesus and sent him to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire warming himself, they asked him again, You're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, No, I am not. But one of you out there in the olive... Hold on. No, I am not. But one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it. All right, I'm going to pause right there. Isn't it interesting how Peter was so quick to cut off the ear of the priest when it was face-to-face, but now when he's by himself, he is afraid. He's afraid, and he's denying Jesus. Now, you would think that that same courageous person that was just walking with Jesus would have that same courage away from him. But what the message right here is, when you have Jesus with you, you have a, a supernatural courage, a supernatural boldness. The reason why Peter felt, had that courage to even do that is because Jesus was there. When Jesus was not with him, he became afraid. 
So child of God, you have to understand that even in your suffering and things that you are going through, it may not feel like Jesus is there, but he is there with you. The reason why Peter could deny Jesus is because he was not physically there with him. There was no, um, he wasn't there. So continuing on, again, Peter denied it and immediately a rooster crowed. Jesus' trial before Caiaphas ended in the early hours of the morning. Then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers didn't go inside because it would defile them, and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover. So Pilate, the governor, went out to them and asked, What is your charge against this man? We wouldn't have handed him over to you if he weren't a criminal, they retorted. Then take him away and judge him by your own law, Pilate told them. Only the Romans are permitted to execute someone, the Jewish leaders replied. This fulfilled Jesus' prediction about the way he would die. Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Jesus replied, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate retorted. Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, pay attention to this, guys. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. So I'm going to pause right there. Like I said before, oftentimes when you're standing for God, it will look like you are standing on your own. And the reason why is because the kingdom that you're standing for is not of this world. It's not a visible kingdom. It says only those who have the kingdom of God within them can see the kingdom of God. So you can't expect people who are not born again or people who are not walking in the spirit to see exactly what you're doing or what you're standing for. Those who understand the assignment of Christ and understood, understood what he represented will be able to see clearly why he was standing so like Jesus told Pilate he said pretty much <laughs> if I was an earthly king and was worried about taking territory here physically on this earth I would have my followers fight for me they would have swords they would have um, javelins they would have all these things to keep me from being detained to keep me from being captured but understand that I have, this has been allowed to happen this is preordained my father is allowing this so, child of God, when you're going through something, understand that God may be allowing it, but it does not mean that you're going to stay there. A lot of the times, it looks like situations are irredeemable and that you're always going to be that way or something's going to always be that way. But child of God, understand that God will rescue you. He will resurrect you. A lot of the times we think about Jesus dying on the cross. But we need to think about what happened when he was risen from the dead. He was no longer able to be killed. So there are certain processes that God wants to put you through, child of God, where you can no longer be killed anymore because you have allowed the flesh to die. There are some times where you go through certain things and you're feeling as though this is always going to be this way. I will always have this battle. I will always have this fight. But child of God, allow the process to happen so that you can no longer die again. And that same thing that used to weaken you, that used to bring you down, now brings you strength. You are now able to walk in supernatural power, supernatural forgiveness, because you have died to self. Continuing on, 
That was at verse 36, John 18. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilates said, so you are a king. Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth, all who love the truth, all who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. What is true? Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people and told them, he is not guilty of any crime, but you have a custom of asking me to release one prisoner each year at Passover. Pay attention to this, guys. Would you like me to release this king of the Jews? But they shouted back, no, not this man. We want Barabbas. Barabbas was a revolutionary. So I'm going to pause right there for a quick second, like we're at verse 40. Like I mentioned to you, a lot of the times, people are looking for some type of physical rescue. They're looking for some uh, carnal rescue. Now, Jesus came and was presenting the world spiritual rescue. But because they weren't aware of the assignment in their enemy and that he was working in covert, they attacked him because they were focused on his flesh, not what he was actually doing and what was actually doing, uh, being done in the area. There was a change of the guards. There was a change of the guards, but they couldn't see it because once again, child of God, like I said, you cannot see the kingdom of God forming if you do not have the kingdom of God within you. The kingdom of God within you is the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit, which allows you to see things differently. The Holy Spirit is the kingdom of God within you because the, the, that perspective of the Holy Spirit within you allows you to see and to see light in the midst of darkness because you're able to see the presence of God in the place where there is no presence. So going back to this, the reason why they wanted to release Barabbas instead of Jesus is because Barabbas was a revolutionary. Like I said, he was more of a Robin Hood type. For those of you who saw the movie Robin Hood, you know that he he was known for robbing from the rich and distributing to the poor. So he was more of like someone who physically, tangibly blessed the people. But child of God, understand that sometimes the the blessing is spiritual and you can't always see a spiritual blessing. This is the reason why we have to read the word of God, because we have to understand what blessings are from God's perspective. Just so you know, cars, houses, money, all these things are cool, but these are not blessings. These are not blessings. Prosperity is a blessing. And prosperity comes in many different forms. It comes in good health. It comes in the ability to think clearly. It comes in the ability to communicate clearly. It comes in many different ways. Jesus said um, um, in the word in Deuteronomy, he says he gives us the power to get well. So in the same way, that's a blessing. So I don't want you to think of always like, oh, I got a new car. That's a blessing. Oh, I got a new house. That's a blessing. These are cool But I don't want you to always think of these as being the only tangible blessings. I want you to get out of the mindset of just looking for tangible blessings. The fact that you're able to hear and able to write, to speak, to communicate, to understand, these are all blessings because there are certain people who are born and they don't have these abilities. There are are things that happen to people. They may get in an accident or something and they they don't have these functions anymore. So, child of God, please understand that blessings are not always physical. 
So moving on to John chapter 19, starting at verse 1, then Pilate had Jesus flogged with the lead-tipped whip. The soldiers rolled a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Hail, king of the Jews, they mocked. They mocked him as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I am going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe. Then Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and purple robe. I'm going to pause right there really quick because I want you guys to understand what the crown of thorns represents spiritually. So you know how in, I believe it's 2 Corinthians, Paul talked about how there was a thorn that was appointed to him. It was a messenger of Satan. So usually, child of God, God will appoint a thorn to you, which allows you to stay in his presence. So oftentimes this thorn looks like something that constantly, it keeps you... Um, at the feet of Jesus it may be something that is it just keeps happening it could be like uh, something like for example this it, this could look like you not having both of your parents you know I use myself for example it could look like you not having both of your parents you not having your grandparents and not having any of your heritage that are able to protect you or to be there it may look like you know for a person who may not who may be blind and that may be their thorn um so these thorns are things that are appointed to you to keep you at the feet of Jesus and also allow you to stay humble. So the crown of thorns that was appointed to Jesus, he was perfect in all his ways, but he chose to wear a crown of thorns because he could have rejected it, but he chose to wear it because the kingdom of God was his thorn. He knew that his body would have to physically die. So the crown of thorns was the kingdom. It was, the, it was so that you could wear the crown. So for him to die, he had to go through the process so that you could wear the crown. So that crown of thorns that he wore on his head was a spiritual representation of what you would be able to do once he resurrected from the dead. So, child of God, whatever your thorn is, I pray that you ask God, what is my thorn? So that, you know, you know what, you probably know what it is, even as I'm saying this, you know what it is. You know, whatever that thing is that constantly keeps you at the feet of Christ. It's that thing that allows you to see him in the midst of darkness. So continuing on, and then Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe. And Pilate said, look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, by our law, he ought to die because he called himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Notice that Jesus was quiet this whole time. But then he, the, he, Jesus replies to this. He says, then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greatest sin. So pretty much, um, I'm pause right there. He's talking about the, um, the the temple guards and the priests from Israel that handed Jesus over. He basically said that they have the greatest sin because they were the ones who handed him over. And 
the only reason why they were allowed to hand him over is because his father allowed this to happen because Jesus allowed this process to happen so Jesus is making it very clear like hold up <laughs> I could have not been here I chose to come here because I'm on assignment so continuing on then Jesus said you will have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above so the one who handed me over to you has the greatest sin then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leader shouted, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down at the judgment seat on a platform that is called the Stone Pavement, the Hebrew Gabbatha. It was now about, uh, now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, Look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar. The leading priest shouted back. I'm going to pause right there for a quick moment. Remember that battle that Samuel had in the book of First or Second Samuel when pretty much the people were, again, requesting for a natural king. They wanted to be like the other nations. They were always looking outside rather than looking at what the word of God said inside. They were always looking for someone else to lead them to victory rather than reading the words of the one who already had the victory. Children of God, we don't want to be like this. We want to stop looking for others for affirmation. Stop trying to emulate other people and allow the word of God to be what we emulate ourselves after. We want to emulate ourselves after Christ. The reason why these people were unable to see Jesus is because they were looking for someone like Caesar. They were looking for someone like Barabbas. They were looking for a natural king that had natural power, not someone that had power over both realms. Continuing on, when they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down in a judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him, crucify him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked, we have no king but Caesar. The leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called Place of the Skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they knelt him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. Then the leading priest objected and said to Pilate, change it from the King of the Jews to he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate replied, no, I have written what I have written. I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says, they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Pay attention, guys, because this is getting into what I'm really getting at, which is the title of this message is ble bless, Bleeding While Blessing. 
So here Jesus is giving instructions, blessing his disciples. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. It was the day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath. And a very special Sabbath because it was the Passover. So as I was saying, pretty much Jesus started to give instructions to his disciples. And like he said in verse 27 of chapter 19, he said to his disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. He said, I am thirsty. I just want to, you know, start right there. And I'm almost done here, guys. So what I want to encourage you guys, Jesus is still able to bless others, even in the midst of pain. He was always focused on someone else. He was always focused on his assignment while he was set here. Children of God, we don't want to be a people who are so self-consumed with our own suffering and our own pain that we forget that we were sent here for an assignment, that we start to leave what God put in us. And when I say leave, I'm talking about we start to deny the one who was placed in us, the Holy Spirit. We act as if if we are alone in our pain and, and, and experience. So child of God, my last instructions, I would just encourage you to forgive. You know, Jesus said that we must forgive. He said, if, and, and when Peter asked him how many times, Jesus said 70 times 70. I'm sorry, 70 times 7. So, child of God, I encourage all of you, if there's anything that you're going through, anything that is hindering you from moving forward, I encourage you to forgive and let go. Release. Remember that you were sent here for a purpose. Don't allow the mistreatment, the injustice, the disrespect, whatever you are experiencing to hinder you and to silence you, to muzzle you. Allow God's Holy Spirit to minister to you, even in the midst of that. And at the same time, use wisdom. There may be certain situations where you may have to leave. You may have to depart from certain situations. Use wisdom. Your assignment is more important than anything else and what Jesus is trying to do in you. So I encourage you guys, read the word of God and let him instruct you what you should do. And understand that no one can take advantage of you. They thought they were taking advantage of Jesus by putting him on the cross and nailing him and taking away his belongings. They thought they were taking advantage of him, but little did they know that they would have eternal that their consequences <laughs> that their consequences warranted them eternal results that their actions warranted them eternal results so no one can get over on a child of God that being said guys have a blessed one
And remember that God loves you. Like, I know that you are going through this. I just want to encourage you. Like, all hope is not lost. I don't know who is going through something right now. I just want you to walk in love, walk in forgiveness, and don't allow what you feel to be where you stay. You are loved, you are blessed, and you will prevail. Because you were chosen, you were loved, you will prevail. All is well. God loves you. Have a blessed one, guys. And remember that you are. Hey, guys, thank you for tuning into the podcast today. This is the Alpha Talk Tuesday podcast held every Tuesday morning from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We look forward to you joining us next week. Have a wonderful day. And remember that you are.